what this whole thing is here. Good morning, ladies, and welcome to Parsha Shlach. This Parsha is jam-packed, and we are not going to take things that I've taken up uh, recently. Um, I, I'm doing new work today, new studies here. Um, usually, this is the Parsha that talks about the sin of the spies, the Chet Hamaraglin. Also, Chala is mentioned this week's Parsha, and Sitzes. And, um, but the thing that I want to focus on is a not so often studied little portion in this week's Parsha. It's called the Parsha of the Ma'afilim, those who, um, who pushed, who, who made themselves strong to push. It's in Perak Yudalid, Pasuk, Lamates, I believe the whole thing starts. Everybody was very, uh, was mourning the whole thing. They, they cried on Tisha B'Av night in the desert because people were too quick to judge how terrible Eretz Yisrael was. They spoke ill about Eretz Yisrael. And because of that, the whole generation of the desert was not able to enter the land. Only their children would merit to enter the land. So everyone cried that night. There was a tremendous amount of crying. So then there's this group of people. It says in Pasuk Mem, There was apparently just like a mountain to climb over to enter Eretz Yisrael. There's a group of people that took the initiative. They said, you know what? We sinned by not appreciating the land of Israel. We spoke evil about Eretz Yisrael. So they climbed up this mountain and they said, They said, we're going to go up to the place that Hashem told us to go to because we've sinned. Rav Nevensal Shlita, the Rav of the old city of Yerushalayim, says in this verse alone, there are three elements of tshuva. First of all, they said, um, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention the last, last Pasuk. It says, by oh, people really mourned. They, they mourned. So that's harata, that's regret, what a remorse. The first thing that you're supposed to do when you've done a sin. Then in this verse, it mentions two other aspects, elements of tshuva. It says, it says, we'll go up to Eretz Yisrael. That means they left the sin. They're not going to speak ill about Eretz Yisrael. In fact, they're going to go to Eretz Yisrael. And then he said, we've sinned. That's vidui. That's tshuva. They've confessed for their sins. The three elements of, chin, of, of sin is to leave the sin you've committed. The second thing is to regret what you've done. And the third thing, vidui. Uh, you know, to confess to your sin. Those three elements were in their verse. And then Moshe says, Why are you not listening to Hashem? You're not going to succeed. Don't go up. Hashem is not with you. You're not going to be saved from your enemies because the Amalekian, the Kanani are there and you're going to fall and you're going to be killed by the sword because you left Hashem. Now, Rebbe still asks the question. In this, these verses, we said it mentions the aspect of, of tshuva. This happened, by the way, the same night that they committed the sin of listening to the spies' evil talk about the land of Israel. You're not allowed to speak ill about any Jew at Lashon Hara, and you're not allowed to speak anything negative about Eretz Yisrael, God's given land. Here, they correct, rectified this by their three... Um, you know, statements that they're going to change what they've done and they're going to confess for their sin. Isn't, aren't, isn't this a correction? Why should they be, Hashem's not with you and you're going to be punished and, and you're not going to succeed? How, why? Why? 
It, it looks, in fact, like when they're going up to climb, wanting to climb up the hill, it looks like what we call in Hebrew, Masira Snefesh. It sounds like they're willing to overcome so much. They're willing to, you know, they're willing to overcome themselves to do what's difficult. So it's not an easy fact to just go up and, and get there. Like by Eshkimu Baboker, they get up early in the morning and they've got to go up there. Why, why, why were they punished so severely? And the extra words, you will not succeed. It says later that the Amalek and the Kanadi doesn't have to say you will not succeed. Why is that necessary to mention? And the last question is, how could they disobey Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu told them, uh, don't do it. And they did it, especially after the sin of the spies. How could they have done such a thing? So those ladies are our four questions for today. Now let's come up with some amazing answers and hopefully some life-changing ideas. And as I mentioned to you last week, I hope to talk about... Um, ways practically that we can start thinking of chuba even though we're way before yom kippur let's get a head start this summer and what's a better time than the summer when things do slow down a bit and we can more focus on growth okay so our first presenter to speak about the mafilim and what they did wrong by the way by according to the targum means by our shao which means and they sinned this is how you say it in aramaic like, like Russia is in the root of it, Arsha'u, instead of Shi'u, that they committed a sin. So here, their, their problem was these were people that were sinners. Now, it sounds like they're, you know, all these um, ideology people, they're ideological, they're, um, how do you say, they're, you know, they have good sentiments, they're really, you know, they, have, they mean the best. What did they do wrong? Okay, so Ravox tells us, one small thing, which I think is important to mention, even though it's not the main thrust of our talk, and that is, why did Moshe Rabbeinu say the low sitzlach and, and, and you're not going to succeed? He said, there's a Gemara Navarro that's one time some Russian, Russian, I'm really, I didn't take any, well, let me just take a drink for a second. One second, please. Baruch Anyways. I just wanted to say that um, there were some Roman philosophers. They once asked the sages, they said, um, why is it that if idolatry is such a big sin, why is it that idolatry succeeds in this world? And we can say that about a lot of things, especially about the current politicians that are running this world. Why does evil exist so much to such a degree? If your Torah is so true, and if your sentiments in the Torah are so true, why is it that you don't make it, that you're not making it, you're not succeeding? And the Gemara Navodazara ends, it says, because Olam Kimin Hago Noheg. That's what the Chachamim answered these Roman philosophers. They said, you know what? The world goes as it goes. Like you're not, you're, you usually, when you do good in this world, you will not often see success for having done a good, a good thing to somebody else. <laughs> usually when people do something good, they suffer. You know, people, uh, people don't know the side of our, uh, everyone thinks a rub gets so much covered. They don't know the negative side and all the things Rabbanim go through, you know, in uh, on their daily lives, you know, dealing with people. It's not so easy. So Rabak so says, so why is it that Moshe had to tell them this? Because if you're going to do a good deed, 
Um, you don't have to mention low sitzlach, he says, because that's the way it is in this world. If you do mitzvahs and Torah, you're not going to see, you know, somebody come down from heaven and shower you with all greatness. You may get more sometimes. The Rambam says you'll get neshma. He says a promise that all kinds of good things are going to happen to you. Why? Because when you obey Hashem, then you're going to, you know, sometimes Hashem will give you additional tools to serve him. Sometimes. But it's definitely, this world is not the world to get currency you know, for, for rewards for mitzvahs. Schar mitzvah b'hai al-maleka. It's reward for this mitzvah, for mitzvah. The currency is not found in this world. It's a spiritual thing that we've performed. And the only proper currency to reward people is spiritual currency. How many Nazis escaped uh, Germany after the war and went to Paraguay and other countries and lived for many years successfully? You know, now all the terrible things they committed because in the next world, there's going to be nothing left to give them. We believe that the main purpose of doing a mitzvah is for the world to come, which is eternal forever. And so then why did Moshe have to tell them this? He says, sometimes there's something called the Sivui Klali and a Sivui Prati, that there's a general commandment to the Jewish people. Like if the Jewish people don't obey Hashem, Sometimes Hashem will do us a favor and immediately show us a sign we're on the wrong path. So we'll correct ourselves. But there's many times that things just go on and we don't see anything. We don't see that we've sinned. We don't see anything. <laughs> Today, we have plenty of messages being sent our way. Thank God that we can improve ourselves. But sometimes nothing happens because people can go opposite that and the world goes as it goes. But when a Navi or when the Torah gives you a personal directive, like in this case, he singles somebody out and they still didn't listen. Moshe Rabbeinu singles them out and tells them, you must not go. I'm telling you, don't go up this mountain. Don't climb. Don't go to Eretz Yisrael. And they didn't listen. Then he tells them, because you singularly disobeyed, you're not going to succeed. But in general, when you do the right thing, often you don't see the, the rewards for it, at least in this world. So that's a very important lesson for us to see that. And there's a, there's a Musr Haskell, there's a lesson to be learned from that too. There's a, there's a, a idea in Torah we mentioned last week that mita toba maruba, whatever you do something bad, we say, just like usually you won't get rewarded. A mita toba maruba, if you have a personal directive to do something good, like we'll mention later something, um, you will see good in this world if you follow a personal directive personal directive he brings down the very famous Gemara. It's in Gemara Yuma. It says, You're supposed to love Hashem with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. What does that mean? How can you love Hashem? It's, 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 a person cannot do that on a daily basis. It's something to aspire to. It's something to work, to work on. We have to work on it. It doesn't come just by breathing. <laughs> So it says, at least what you can do, the practical small deed you can do is make Hashem's name beloved through you. That's what it, but that's what it means. All the things you should be doing, the way you speak should be pleasant to people. You shouldn't put people down. You shouldn't be judgmental. You shouldn't be, um, you know, you, you should be kind to other people. You should put an example. All these things. People are going to say about you, wow, look how wonderful Torah is. I love Hashem more just by seeing how this Jew conducts himself. So this is a personal directive that's given the Torah. You personally are directed. You should love Hashem. Make Hashem's, you be a promoter of Hashem. 
And that way you will directly get reward. Directly, we're given all kinds of Allah Kasav Amar, Omer, Amor Lahem, Am Hashem Ela Omer, Tso Yotso. They're gonna people are gonna speak good of you, you're gonna cause the, the, the non-Jews of the world to look favorably upon the Jews. Now they don't always do that, but if we make a if we have a consciousness to make a kiddush Hashem, then it can happen. Now, the Sefer Eitz Chaim gives another lesson that we learned from the from the Mafilim. So lesson number one is just in general and aside, we don't see success in this world unless it's a personal directive. In that case, you can either see, you know, success or God forbid, see some type of lack of success. But in general, the world goes upon natural rules and you often don't see the truth in this world. Now, Rav Chaim Shlita from the famous Ura Rabbi, this is a plug for you, Rivka. We see from here, he says, the whole, the power of people deceiving themselves with their bad traits. Sometimes a person could do something wrong and they don't even see what they did wrong. They think it's the other person. And they, they, they in fact, you know, somebody once told me, I wanna ask you Mechila, but don't tell me what I did wrong. Now, uh, I think, you know, if a person doesn't wanna hear what you have to say, they're, they're disclaiming that you did that they may have done anything wrong. They feel like they did nothing and it was all you and that's how they look at life. But in any case, sometimes their people do have biases. People have their own little thing. They're what we call in Hebrew negias. Those are things that blind us. We're blinders on and there's things that block our, our view of the truth. Sometimes a person can change his perspective 360 degrees. We see that um, only hours before when the Jews were willing to speak ill will, ill about Eretz Yisrael, they're willing to speak something negative about Eretz Yisrael. And then all of a sudden, when they're told they can't enter Eretz Yisrael, they're gonna be punished. They're not gonna live to, to enter Eretz Yisrael, only their children will. As soon as they hear that, they're terrified and a group of them decide they're going to Eretz Yisrael at all costs. It just shows the human mind that when we, when we have something, a bias blocking our way, uh, we can, you know, we can, you know, in, in a second switch, you know, if we're such channels, there's a story, old story about the Sanza Rebbe to rest in peace that one time there was a woman in a marketplace, a, an elderly woman, a widow who was um, very bitter, like she was very bitter. She was screaming at people uh, because she wasn't making her living for the day. And the Sanza Rebbe wanted to help her. And, you know, he first sees how bitter she is that she's complaining to everybody. Minutes later, a customer appears and all of a sudden she stops screaming and she's just like giving a smile. Very nice, because when it came to the, you know, the people that offended her, there she is. When it came to a potential customer, she's willing to change her whole behavior. So a drastic change of mind happens by people. And sometimes it could be very positive, you know, a drastic change of mind. Example, the Chavis Lubavis brings down, says Rav Heimans, that by humility, he says, how should a person humble himself? says, if you're with people that are less than you, whatever that means, we don't know, because no such thing as a simple Jew. But if there would be someone you consider less than you, let's say they're more coarse in their behavior, or they're, they're not careful about Lashon Hara, or they lie, or whatever it is, I don't know, something in some way you feel a bit superior. He says, that what you're supposed to do is say, you know what, if they had some of the background I had, either my upbringing, or perhaps my brains, or whatever it may be, or the tendencies that I have, then you know they would be greater than me and he says if it's somebody better than you then for sure you should look up to them so there's no excuse for a person he says not to see people in a positive 
light because we always have that to rely on that, you know, so you're really making opposite calculations for people in order for you to become more humble. And the same thing happens with arrogance. With arrogance, you know, you'll see, oh, you know, one thing, I'm better than this person. And even if they're better than you, you'll try to find some way that they're, you're still better than them to satisfy your arrogance. I mentioned last week, by the way, it's, it would be good if you want to watch last week's year, there was a whole, we expounded upon this idea greatly about how you could judge people favorably easier. But in any case, the, um, the, the, the calculations, you know, that we make, the Oriahel tells us, says it's interesting when it comes to physicalities, we always look at our friends and see what we can learn from. Oh my gosh. I, I someone once came to my house that was much wealthier than me and she noticed one picture hanging on my wall that was she felt was amazing it's interesting we we notice that in other people or what the clothing they're wearing or something like that when it comes to spirituality we always feel nobody tops me but this is what we have to work on because we flip flop by nature we have to learn to flip flop in a good way you know um like it says in vidui for other people, we said certain things are forbidden, but for ourselves, everything's allowed. You know, we have different states of mind, but for ourselves, we're more forgiving. For other people, we're less forgiving. And this, this, so person has a potential, says Rav Chaim Mintz, to be a flip-flopper. And this is what they did. This is what he notices the lesson is that we can learn from the mafilim. We can easily change our minds and that could be a very positive things you know we should we should use that trait in a good way sometimes not be stuck you know stuck it's good to be flexible if we can be flexible the third lesson we learned from the mafilim is um you know all these things by the way the thing the point first point i mentioned that answers rev box to when he says they won't succeed that mentions that answers, why did he add that on? Because usually it doesn't matter whether you succeed or not in this world. The second point that we just mentioned from that a person can flip-flop, that's how minutes before, you know, they said one thing and now they change. And this is because that uh, person, when it, when there's like a, a fear of punishment, a person could change immediately. Simcha Zizel von Kalm tells us another important life lesson we learned from this episode with the Mafilim. He says, as soon as these people didn't have a command, first they had a command to go to Eretz Yisrael, right? They're supposed to go to Eretz Yisrael. I'm sending Miraglim, I'm sending spies just to do the normal ways of entering Eretz Yisrael to get some people look at it. But of course, you're supposed to believe Hashem is giving it to me, but I'm just going to go through my daily stuff. As soon as they didn't have a commandment, they all wanted to go. Because there's a there's a special chazal that we're told. It says, Gadol Hamatsuba Ve'osa. What does that mean? People usually want to do the extra credit things. They're not so happy to do the same old, same old, the things they're commanded to do. Because you don't have a Yetzirah for something that you're not commanded to do. Everybody's always looking to do things that, you know, women normally don't get to do this. And here we're able to have this opportunity where women can do this. So what's the big deal? You know, the big deal is to do what you're supposed to do, not to do what you don't have to do. I mean, that's a, that's not Jewish philosophy. That's the other religions. Our philosophy is when you do something that you have to do, what you're doing is you're, you're nullifying your will to that of Hashem. You're saying Hashem's will is more important than your will. And you are saying, Hashem, you want me to do it? I don't, I'm not doing it because I want to do it. I'm doing it 
because you told me to. By nature, a person doesn't want to do what he has to do. A person wants to do what he doesn't have to do. And as long as they were commanded to enter Israel, they had this like, you know, there was friction. There was something that they had a test. As soon as that test passed, all of a sudden, then, um, then they had no Yitzhahara. To show us, the Yitzhahara is really just a figment of our imagination. We can easily rid us. It's really five minutes later, Yitzhahara is not there. It's all a question is if I'm forced to do something or if I'm not forced to do something. So that's another huge lesson that it's, you know, that once we aren't commanded to do something, that's when we want to do it. Let's, let's try to focus on doing things with great love when we have to do them. Now, the biggest presenter tonight, but I'm going to focus in this Rav Nevinsal's presentation, Shlita, about the mafilim. He says, it sounds to us like they were doing this great act of tshuva, like, you know, they're all trying to correct what was done previously wrong, which was the sin of the spies. It sounds like they're tshuva. But perhaps, he says, if Moshe wouldn't have warned them, if they would have right away gone to Eretz Yisrael before Moshe would have warned them, maybe there would have been a correction for the Chet HaMaraglam. Maybe if they would have just, you know, but Moshe told them, don't go. <laughs> you know, this is what they did wrong. They didn't listen to Moshe. But you know what? He said, there's a big lesson in life in this. What happened is the situation has now changed. Now they need to be in the desert for 40 years. That's their, and only their children can enter Eretz Israel. That's their new situation. Now that's a big lesson. Think about that for a moment. Sometimes we're hung up on something and I plead the guilty. <laughs> All of us say, you know, I'm sure it could work. We would like to have a certain situation, whatever it may be in life. And it's for a good reason. And we're allowed to daven for it. We're allowed to daven, you know, whatever we want in our lives. We want health and, 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 and you know, whatever people want in their life, different things that people are looking for. And when it comes to davening, we should ask for it. And sometimes we wish we had a different situation than we have. We're stuck with certain elements in our life that we wish didn't exist. But Hashem is teaching us something from the Mafilim. When we're told, this is where you get off, this is what you have. This is where you're at. We can try our best to change it. We can daven to change it. But we have to, when we're not davening and when we're not trying, we have to make peace with what we have because the situation is different. And when the situation is different, we have to, we have to make the lemons out, lemonade out of lemons. We have to make the best out of our situation. The thing has changed now that Moshe told them, no, it's not Eretz Yisrael you should want. You should want to do Hashem's directive. Before Hashem wanted you to go to Israel. And when you when he wanted you to go, you didn't listen. Now he doesn't want you to go. And now you want to go. You know, that's that's how it goes sometimes in life. But we're supposed to want to do ritzonecha. We're supposed to want to do what Hashem wants us to do. That's what we're supposed to do. Truth says Rav Nevensal. It says in the Pasuk in the Savim, Kikaro ve'lecha hadavar ma'od, b'ficha u'bilvavcha la'soso. It's very easy for a human being to do tshuva. It's very close to you. And a person can try, a person can always do tshuva. But the, there's the part really that a person has to work on is eradicating the root of sin. Here, the root of sin was not that they wanted or didn't want to go to Eretz Yisrael. The root is that they were somehow defying Hashem, and that's what they had to correct. So it wasn't tshuva at all, says Rav Nevensal. Even though they regret, they said all three parts of tshuva, just like a, you're supposed to when you do something wrong. But the main thing is not 
the thing, not the object, not the mitzvah object, not that you'd like to do this as a mitzvah, you'd like to do that as a mitzvah. If the thing is, did you obey Hashem or did you not obey Hashem? That's the bottom line, and that's what we're supposed to strive for. You're supposed to realize that it's Hashem's word that counts and nothing else. It doesn't matter if it's a question of doing chesed or doing this or doing that. We have to do what Hashem wants. So that's where we're supposed to focus ourselves. So therefore, the next morning, when they continued on their false path, Hashem told them not to go, and they still insisted on going. Yesterday, it was the giants. Oh, no. Yeah, I missed that. I'm sorry. Somebody sent me something. I'm sorry I missed what you sent me. But in any case, um, I didn't get it fast enough. Anyways, the, the thing they were reckoning with originally, they said the giants, there's giants in Eretz Yisrael. We can't enter Eretz Yisrael. We're afraid of that. Today, it's the thing we want to go to Eretz Yisrael. It's not Eretz Yisrael. It's not the giants. It's not anything. It's that this is what's in front of me that Hashem wants us to do. And that's in front of me and what Hashem wants me to do. So they failed to just obey Washem's command and they did their own thing. And that was what was wrong. That's what they did that was wrong. For example, if a person believes that a mezuzah protects him, it's not true, says Rav Nevensal. It's Devar Hashem protecting him. You may have heard a famous story. I've seen several times already that, um, I don't know, in recent times in Eretz Yisrael, there was a, a couple who gave birth to a child and somehow this child had a terrible problem. He, the baby would not stop crying. They didn't know what to do with themselves. They were simple people. It was after World War II. And, um, you know, the baby was not crying. She didn't know what to do. They went to doctors. They couldn't figure it out. And they felt this is not healthy for the baby. And also their life was ruined. Baby's crying day and night. It's, it's, it's terrible. So one time this woman finds a piece of chumash somewhere strewn. I don't remember where she found it somewhere, neglected. She decides that, oh, a piece of chumash. She doesn't know what even what it is, what it means. What it means. She ties, she, she puts it in somebody's, somebody has to mute themselves. Or is that me? I don't know. Anyways, um, so anyway, so the uh, the lady, um, she's just, she's beside herself. She fashions a little like amulet, a kamea, and she puts this, you know, piece of chumash in this kamea. She ties it around her infant's neck, and lo and behold, the child stops crying. Amazing. Look what the power of Torah made her child stop crying. Her husband comes home. He sees the child's quiet, and he seems to be content. And he said, what happened? She told him what happened. So he decides to have a look for himself, what's in this Kamea. And inside the Kamea was a verse from the Torah, a verse from the curses that Kleistro is supposed to get if they don't obey the Torah. And he was dumbfounded. What, like, a, you know, like if you don't, how could this be a protection? Because she and in her innocence thought, you know, a verse from Torah is protecting us. She wasn't thinking into it. She just had this Amuna and Hashem. And that indeed protected their child because it's not the mezuzah that protects us. Of course, people say you should check your mezuzahs if there's something wrong, you know, just to make sure. But it's not the mezuzah that protects you. It's Hashem and his commandments protecting us. And that's what we have to focus ourselves on. That's what went wrong with Shaul Hamelah, King Saul, that um, Hashem told him to destroy every bit of Amalek, including their cattle, and everything that belonged to Amalek has to be destroyed. And Shul had mercy on the sheep. Why? Because he thought these sheep would make great sacrifices. And um, 
So when he saw they would make great sacrifices, he couldn't, he couldn't bring himself to, to destroy all those sheep when they could be used by the Jews to serve Hashem. Now he was making his own calculations. He was supposed to want to destroy a Amalek because Hashem said so. So that means even things that don't make sense to you, even the part that doesn't feel so comfortable. And that's what he did wrong. And he lost his, his kingdom. He lost being the king. He lost his malucha for that because he made his own calculations. There's a story that Rabbitson Fagi Tversky, she should be Gazette and Stark, used to tell. And this is how her attitude is supposed to be towards keeping mitzvahs. She said that one time a couple came to her and, um, you know, for counseling. And um, the, uh, the wife says, well, my husband never wants to please me. And he says, what are you talking about? I take her to Miami every year. We stay in a certain hotel. I, and I give her all the best. And the wife answers him, I don't like Miami. And I don't like the hotel we go to. And I want something totally different. And she said, that's the same thing. You know, we think I want to serve Hashem. So I'm going to do it my way. But my way is not Hashem's way. The best way, the highest form of serving Hashem is make his will your will. Your mavatal, your rutzen to his rutzen. That's the highest way of serving Hashem. And we find that with um, Rabbi Rucham Lavav, it's the front of Racha says that the purpose of having uh, an element of, of uh, Bechira, of having, um, how do you call it, um, free will. The purpose that Hashem gave us free will is to not have free will, believe it or not. There's a whole idea of a conquered battlefield. You know, we're all struggling with something at certain levels, you know, be it in Lashon Hara, like we're all struggling with different nuances, depending on your level, maybe you shouldn't hear something. Let's say you're struggling. Some people are struggling with outright lies. Some people are struggling with, with white lies. Some people are struggling with um, simcha, all kinds of things we have to work on. So Rav Yeruchim says it, it, that life is like a battlefield. I'm sorry, Rav Dessler says this aspect to explain Rav Yeruchim. He says that life is like a battlefield. When you, let's say, conquer a certain mitzvah, you've, you've accomplished a certain level in a mitzvah. That is not even a test for you anymore. Your test, your mission is to go beyond that point. So in other words, conquered territory means in that regard, it's a no-brainer. You don't even have free will. For example, you know, people are keeping Shabbos. They don't think twice about turning off or on a light. They're keeping Shabbos. It's not, it's not even a test. They have other tests on Shabbos, maybe the way they speak on Shabbos, what they speak about, or, uh, you know, saying enough divrei Torah at the table or whatever it may be. But the, the, that's conquered territory. It means you have taken your free will and you have given yourself in that arena, no free will. You have no free will anymore. You're already, you're committed. It's won over. You won. So that's the purpose of our free wills to not have free will. And in all these aspects, we want to do certain mitzvahs. All of us would like to do certain mitzvahs with our lives. But our thing is to do what Hashem wants us to do in this particular circumstance and do it the best we can. And that is our mission on a daily basis. And that's what we're supposed to think. What does Hashem want from me now? It's a famous story, you must have heard it. We tell it to children all the time. Rav Nevensel says the ending he questions. Okay, a famous story about the Lechem Hapanin. You know, there were 12 showbreads brought weekly in the base of Megdash. It was a big miracle. You'd put them on this, on the altar, the Shulchan rather, the table, the golden table. And miraculously, a week later, they would go off. You put the new ones on, take the old ones off. The Kohanim would eat the old ones, and they would be fresh as if they were just baked and warm. 
miracle. There was no hidden coils in the table or anything like that. Anyways, so there was a couple that had escaped Portugal. The Portuguese, you know, the Portuguese all had a mini um, inquisition a little later than the in the 1500s, early 1500s. So they came uh, to another shul. It doesn't say where they were, where the rub lived. And um, the rub was speaking once about the 12 showbreads. And this person was total ignoramus. And he told himself, you know what? That's a great idea. 12 showbreads to Hashem. I love the idea. Told his wife that week to make 12 challahs and they're going to put them in the Aram Kodesh. And it was going on for several weeks. Like uh, the Shamish would open the Aaron every week just to clean out whatever he needed to clean or to, to check things over with this Torahs for Shabbos. And he'd see 12 kalas. He thought, oh, it's a donation to me. So he would take them home and use them for his Shabbos. And this went on for many weeks. And one time the Rav caught them in the act, putting the kalas. And he said, what are you doing? And they said, we're giving the lechem upon him. And he started screaming at them. He was upset at them. And he says, do you know, it's like once you have in mind you're donating at the base of Megdash, it's like Kudshim. And it's a whole question whether you're allowed to eat it or not. And it's Chutzmi Rushalayim. And there's all these things. And the Shamish eating it was Iver. He did an Avera eating those challahs because they were sanctified. They had in mind it was like, so, so, so to speak, like a korban. You know, it's not so simple. Who could eat them all together? And it was a terrible thing. And apparently the Arizal heard about it or saw in Ruch HaKadosh, she wrote a letter to this couple, tell, uh, the Rav, telling him he's not going to live out the year because these people had great intentions and you criticize them for their great intention of wanting to serve Hashem. Nevin Sal does not, he's not sure how the ending, how true it was with the Rav, because he said they had to be censured. Maybe, does it mean his anger, perhaps? He had too much anger the way he spoke to them. I don't know, but the point is they did have to be censured. He said, that's true because this is an Avera that they were doing. It was an Avera. They meant well, but it was an Avera they were doing. So he's not sure how accurate the ending is from this story, how we're supposed to take the ending, but there is a lesson to be learned. And that is it was valued by Hashem. That's for sure. The same thing with Benos Lot, the daughters of Lot, who committed a pretty indecent act with their father because they thought the world was ending and there was no commandment. You can only marry a stranger, not members of your family. So they thought they were propagating the world. And look, they had Rus, they had Davina Melech, Mashiach, all comes from the daughters of Lot because they didn't know any better. Yet if somebody knows better, that's pretty bad. But Kavana means a lot. And the main Kavana we're supposed to have is Hashem, I want to make your will my will. And that's what these Mafilim did wrong. And that's what any sin, that's the source of any sin, really. I mean, there are other things also, are bad mitos that are getting in the way, but that's the main source of any sin. Now, as far as being selfless, you know, and, and thinking of what does Hashem want for me and not what do I want to do? <laughs> I mean, of course, if you have the, the, the free uh, time, yeah, of course, choose things that are more predisposed to your personality. But there are times in life when we don't have a choice. Hashem put us in a situation. We have to make the best of it. We have to get to the source, which is what does Hashem want me to do with now? Just uh, fighting over it. It's, it's not going to help us in any way. We have to just get beyond it. It says, Women are promised a greater reward than men. Like it says in Yeshaya, Upright women, listen to my voice. Daughters of good faith, hearken to my word. 
the Gemara that's brought down in Gemara Brachas talking about why do women get more? And it says because women allow their husbands to go study Torah and they, may, they, they send their children to school to go study Torah. Now, it's undeniable these are special merits, but that is the merit of a woman. So it's explained in many, many places that the idea is here that when a person is a nurturer and they themselves are not even doing the main act, they're just enabling other people. That's so for the sake of heaven. That's so for the sake of heaven, because this person at that moment is not even seeing the reward immediately themselves. They're just enabling other people to get a reward. That's the biggest there could be. Shimshon Pinka says we take for granted sometimes on Yantav, Halavai, we should all experience that kind of Yantav very soon where we have bustling homes and there's things to be done for everybody. You know, people think they're in the kitchen all day. I remember one year of Pesach, I, I, I went out to and I said, this is the first time I've seen the sky, like in six days or eight days, whatever it was, I don't remember. You know, you're in your kitchen day and night and day and night. And you think like, what are you, what are you accomplishing? But you are the, the most selfless, you're, you're, you're what's considered, it says in Medrash Tanhuma. There's nothing so beloved by Hashem, Kishliach Mitzvah, that like a person who's just, he's just enabling others to do a mitzvah, or he's sent by somebody else to do a mitzvah. If a person puts all his self into doing what he has to do as Hashem's messenger, like then you find there's no one that is beloved by Hashem, like a person that is just a messenger to do his will. And that's really what the whole story is. When we, when we resist, because we don't like to do this mitzvah or that mitzvah, or this particular thing is difficult for us, we have to realize the main thing is to want to make ourselves the most beloved thing of all is to be a shliach mitzvah, to just put ourselves as agents that want to facilitate uh, things for Hashem that we want to make that's what the Mafilim did wrong even with their good intentions even with their tshuva so to speak and their desire to correct everything that was wrong that wasn't the correction the correction is to go to the motive and the motives is always what gets us in our way so let's review what we said so far usually a person is not successful in this world unless there's a directive and like the directive of making Hashem's name beloved to make, to make a Kiddush Hashem, that's a directive that you will succeed by making Hashem loved by other people. You can succeed that way, by the way. Also, a person can flip-flop in seconds. We have to know that about ourselves. And also, people don't want to be commanded what we are. And the source of sin, that's what we have to know about the source of sin and selflessness helps all this. Now, as promised, I wanted to take a little time to go into something that just a recommendation that we can all apply in our own personal lives, hopefully in some way to make our lives a little bit better. There's a directive for us. It says, we're told in, in uh, EO that a person is created to toil. That's a person's purpose in life. It also says, uh, um, in Bechukosai, that Parsha is telling us you should be toiling in Torah. Now, women have their own toil. They're enabling Torah by the things they're doing. They're making a nice house, a pleasant house where people can be relaxed and have broader minds to be able to study better. And, and you know, we make it pleasant for the people around us that we should perform a lot of mitzvahs that way. But also, there is work that's 
imposed upon a person. We're told we have to love Hashem. Now, how you can't just, it doesn't just come. Love does not just come. It's something that's to be worked on. Just like you have to work on a marriage, you have to work on love for Hashem. Midos in general get in our way. When we when we do um, tshuva, when we say tshuva, it's the bidui on Yom Kippur. Most of the things that we are we are doing al chet that we're saying for the sin we committed. What are the things we're doing tshuva for? Many of them are about our motives, like especially the um, no in in the al chet itself, not just in the ashamnu. The ashamnu is the devastation that sin causes. And in the al we talk about certain Averis, like Lashon Hara, for example, but we also talk about, um, we scorned, we mocked, we different things, all kinds of Midos. It's because the source, the machine that produces all sin is Midos. Midos is what produced sin. Now, over the years, I looked at different sperm. I tried to, myself, try to group with groups, try to work on things. There was a famous safer that came out in the 1800s by the name of Cheshpen Hanefesh. It's been translated into English, was written by Nach Mendel Levin of Satanov. And Rabbi Sral of Salanter gave his Haskama to this, you know, to that, to, to this safer. Like he felt this safer should be maximized. What they do is that he goes through 13 different meadows and he has a whole bookkeeping thing. Um, it's beyond the scope of this class to go into this whole method, but I used, I tried it when I was younger and, you know, just uh, more idealistic and it wasn't easy especially for a woman it was it was very difficult it was like you had a hyper focus on amita for a week and then there were 12 in the background and then you were supposed to like take bookkeeping during the day if you had like a whole chart a flow chart and you would like check off uh, on a chart i felt but what changed my mind to this whole thing and gave me some inspiration and encouragement i'd like to share with you and that is i read something from rabbi victor miller and he gave a way that us simple people in this generation, how we can work on our meters in a more practical way, employing the um, the Cheshben HaNefesh. Now he gave 13 meters there. You can even look at them online, 13 meters of Rabbi Sorol Salanter. You can make up your own meters. I could give you some here. Um, what he says is like this. You see, like there's like a subconscious and a conscious. If you take a 13 week, block and you have all the different categories you know that you're going to be dealing with every week you'll focus on one meter and you're going to do one exercise a day for this meter and the other ones are just maybe either either read them once a day just read the meters i would like to keep in the back of my mind or something like that simple so it doesn't be over it doesn't become overwhelming Next week, you focus on the next thing. And every 13 weeks, you're going to be revisiting that Mita and doing exercise. So this type of thing is really getting to the root. It's the Mitas that get us in our way. I don't know if you have to do 13. You could do four. You could do five. I'll just give you some that are very common to our generation, like Simcha, especially in this, this day and age, what's going on. Like maybe once a day. This some, these are ideas like Reverend Victor Miller mentions. Like he said, once a day, take five minutes. And, and give a list, enumerate a list of all the things you're happy about, you know, or just, or, or, you know, or do it an hour a day or do it however you want to set up. You set up, everyone knows their soul and how they can fit it into their life, fit it into their life. Um, let's say there's someone you have a resentment against or jealousy against. Once a day for five minutes, think of the good qualities this person has, or if you want to call it, um, if you want to work on that mitzvah, 
let's say anger. Um, once a day, you're going to have in mind that you're going to hold yourself back for five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever you want. That's your thing. And you can either, you know, give yourself reward or punishment if you did it. Now, if you notice, I've said this many, many times by Yom Kippur of Nassim Vachlagel's at Salgate proof, always do it in the positive. Don't say, I won't speak Lashon Hara. I won't get angry. Um, instead, just say, I will keep quiet when I'm around a person that tends to get me nervous or I'm gonna to try to say something positive to this person, or, or think of maybe um, I'll go into a room when I feel angry or whatever it may be. These are bitachon. We can all listen to the great bitachon hotline that I'm always telling you about. If a person feels that they're too lazy, try to like do something very quickly once a day. Menuchas um, nefesh that a person should remind themselves, I don't know, to take deep breaths once a day or uh, humility, try to think of how great another person is. There's a thing of um, watching our spending habits. We, sh we shouldn't be too, uh, you know, we should be thrifty. Or there's a thing of being stingy. Stingy could be try once a day to give something to somebody, you know, that you normally wouldn't, wouldn't have thought of. You know, or chesed, you want to do chesed once a day, you're going to give to somebody that you normally wouldn't give to. All these type of things are different exercises. We could structure it, we could put it into a little notebook, write the exercise we're going to do next to each Mita. If, if you have any questions, you can call me for more ideas. I'm happy anybody wants to discuss it. We got, maybe you'll teach me something too. Um, and if you have anything to say afterwards, comments, I would love to hear if anyone has ideas on, on maybe how to internalize a Mita more. But isn't that what we're in the world for? We're busy keeping books of the nicer that we owe. We're busy keeping books of everything else that we owe. People try to keep their important papers, you know, in a box, you know, like their property taxes and their electric bills and their, you know, all the things that they have to make sure that they're going to pay every month, their credit card bills, whatever it may be. You know, what about the personal bookkeeping? What are we going to show Hashem the efforts we made to work on our meetos? You know, um, I was, uh, somebody told me, you know, we're somebody was trying to talk about different preps for losing weight. So one of the things was, you know, like you have to hydrate a lot, you have to drink a lot. So somebody made a comment, hydration doesn't come from heaven. You know, it doesn't just come by itself. You have to remind yourself to drink. So the same thing, you know, here, it's it's not, our, working on our meters is not going to just come. We have to do some type of exercise and it really makes it easier, you know, like, um, you know, like, or, like or, or you stop yourself, you're like Lashon Hara, if you're learning the halachas of Lashon Hara, then, you know, once a week, you're, you're going to say something positive about somebody you normally wouldn't or something like that. I'm just thinking of these things. These little exercises eventually do penetrate and they do make a, a roshan. You know, we can't maybe do the heavy lifting of our previous generations of really intense Mido's work, but we can do this type of work. This for sure can be done. So anyways, I want to thank you all for listening. It was a pleasure speaking to you. You should all have an amazing week and an amazing Shabbos. And next week, we're back with another tour with the takeaway. Same great hostess, Rivka Shavsov. Same great audience. Same great Parshas. And uh, thank you very much for listening. And I wish you a wonderful week. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, ladies. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> just wanted to say that we only just have a quick five minutes for a goodbye. Uh, and good wishes and thank yous to each other. Um, anybody has any questions, please feel free to reach out to Mrs. Weisswasser and uh, we will see you all next week. I'll unmute everyone right now. One moment. <clears throat> there you go.
Thank you very much. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. Thank you. Oh, let me. Mrs. Weisswasser, we'll have to we'll have to get you to unmute. <coughs> Devorah, it's so nice to hear your voice. I miss you. Yeah. Uh, I'm listening. I'm listening Okay, Sam, thank you. Thank you. Well, Hannah I want to speak to you before everybody gets off the phone. I am sitting in my dining room making notes on everything you said. As I am looking outside the window, which faces the street, a car drove up and parked beside my house. On the car is written personal training and boot camp. And right in the middle of this year, I realized you're my personal trainer. <laughs> but besides that, before the word personal, in huge block, it says premium. <laughs> premium personal training. Sweetheart, I love your sheer... Just you build me, you build me, you really do. You are my premium personal trainer. Okay, we all need personal trainers, and the Torah, the the, the great Gedolim are my personal trainers. That's where I learned everything I know. And okay. we also turn to the Torah, which teaches us how to work on our character and get closer to Hashem, which are two purposes in life in the Zolmer Gom. Anyone and we all need, need each time? other, and we all should. We are hafta each other in the same way we have we hafta Kaddish Baruch Hu. Right, right. Amen, amen. Okay, ladies, two more minutes. Anybody else have anything else? Any thank yous? Any questions? All right. Wishing you all the best wherever you are. Hatzlacha, bracha. Have a very good week. Thank you. Everybody have